0: All right, let's go ahead and say prayer. of Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son into the world so we might have life and have it to the full. He who came to give us the sacrament of reconciliation so that we can be reconciled to you and to one another. We ask you to bless our time. Pray for those who are not able to join us tonight and that in all we may do we may bring you glory. And we ask this in your name, amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. All right, today we're going to talk about the sacrament, one of my favorite sacraments, uh, the sacrament of confession. And uh, someone asked me one time, well, do priests have to go to confession? What do you think? Yes, we're sinners. You know how we go to confession, though? I just go to a mirror. Just Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the sac the only the only sacrament that a priest can give himself is the sacrament of holy communion. They have to for mass. Any other sacrament has to be given by another priest. Um anyone ever seen any movies that have like the sacrament of confession in it? What's it use- how's it usually portrayed? They've
1: committed a murder and the priest won't tell that kind of thing. Yeah. And
0: they usually confess. To the <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yeah. <laughs> so those who have been to the sacrament confession, is it like that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well good. What's it? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, t- tonight we're just going to dive into the sacraments. Um, go through a little overview of what the sacrament's called how it's celebrated, where you can find it at in scriptures, foreshadowing of it in the Old Testament, and then just give some uh, practicals, and then we'll do a lot of uh, Q&A. Okay, so what is the sacrament called? What's other words that we use for sacrament of confession? Reconciliation, okay? Um, Also, the sacrament of conversion. This comes straight from the Catechism. Because it makes sacramentally present Jesus' call to conversion, the first step in returning to the Father from whom one has strayed by sin. Luke chapter 15, what do we call the son? The the prodigal son, yeah, great. Um, The prodigal son. In, In the story of the prodigal son, right, He says he comes to his senses, he gets up and goes back to the Father. Literally what conversion means. We come to our senses, we've done something wrong, I must change my life, and I go to the Father. We call it the sacrament of confession, since the disclosure or confession of a sin to a priest is an essential element of the sacrament. In a profound sense, it is also a confession, acknowledgement, and praise of the holiness of God and of his mercy towards sinful man. So let's say Florence comes and she uh, confesses murder this weekend. Can I go tell the cops? No, why not? What's that? Yeah, there's a thing called the sacramental seal which means and some professions kind of have this too, like, right. They have HIPAA laws. If you're in the medical field, you can't just talk about someone else's. Yeah. Attorney. Yep. Or counseling, but even more so at the sacrament of confession, the seal, like even in like doctors can share information with each other in order to help the client or the patient. Um, Lawyers can share information with each other, but I couldn't just go home and say, Hey, Father worth, you know what I heard tonight? I can't even talk about it. I can't say what I heard or who came to me. You know, most of the time people are anonymous, but if I knew who they were, I couldn't even say who it was. The sacrament of confession, the seal, is so important that if the priest were to break it, it's an automatic excommunication. I'm kicked out of the church. That's how important it is. Okay, There are some states... Um, and some countries like Australia and the state of Louisiana, they were trying to pass legal laws that would say a priest would have to violate the sacrament of confession. Okay? But fortunately, this has been done before in the history of the church. St. John Napomacene is the patron saint of confession. And what happened? The monarch, he was the confessor to the queen, and the king was jealous, thinking that his wife was maybe having an affair and asked him to reveal what she said. And he said, nope. And so oftentimes he's pictured like this. And what did they do to him? Threw him off into the river there in Prague, or as they say, Praha, the Czech Republic. Okay. The sacrament of confession is also uh, called uh, the sacrament of forgiveness, since by the priest's sacramental absolution, God grants the the penitent pardon in peace. Isn't that kind of beautiful, right? You do something wrong, and you mess up, you get stopped speeding. Oh, officer, you know, I have a friend who says that every time they get pulled over, they just make themselves look horrible and miserable and confess right away, not try to make any excuse, and says, it always works. I always confess that I was an idiot, I did something wrong, and then the, the police officer's More forgiving and doesn't give me a speeding ticket. Now, that's not what the sacrament of confession is, but isn't that great to have like the peace that you have been pardoned for whatever you've done wrong? The sacrament of confession is also called the sacrament of reconciliation because it imparts to the sinner the love of God who reconciles as. It says, be reconciled to God. He who lives by God's merciful love is ready to respond to the Lord's call. Go first and be reconciled to your brother. Okay. So, reconciliation is to come back into a relationship with. Any other terms that we call it? Sacrament of penance. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sacrament of Mercy. It's one of the sacraments of healing, along with the Anointing of the Sick. But these are the uh, ones that the um, Catechism lines up. Okay, so why do we have to go to confession? Why not? Could we just wait till uh, one is baptized? You know, on their deathbed. I think that's what Constantine did, right? The the emperor um, who allowed Christianity to come into Western Europe with the Edict of Milan in 313. He's like, okay, I'm going to mess up a lot. <laughs> I'm just going to wait right before I'm ba- I die and have a priest ready to baptize me. So those who have not been baptized yet, um, you will be baptized at the Easter vigil. That washes away all your sins. And so you would go to the Sacrament of Confession maybe within a few weeks after Easter. Okay? Okay, so the sacrament of confession exists after baptism. The catechism says, as quoting St. John, the apostle, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And the Lord himself taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses, linking our forgiveness to one another's offenses and to the forgiveness of our sin that God will grant us. Goes on to say that conversion to Christ, the new birth of baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the body and blood of Christ, receives as food have made us holy and without blemish, just as the church herself, the bride of Christ, is holy and without blemish. But nevertheless, the new life received in Christian initiation has not abolished the frailty and weakness of human nature, nor the inclination to sin that tradition calls concupiscence which remains in the baptized, such as with the help of the grace of Christ, they may prove themselves in the struggle of Christian life. This is the struggle of conversion directed towards holiness and eternal life to which the Lord never ceases to call us. So even though we're baptized, even though we get to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, he gives us all the grace that we need to be saints. But because we still have that inclination due to original sin, that we are tempted, and sometimes we choose the wrong thing. So it'd be like, oh man, I messed up. This is why Jesus gave us the sacrament of confession, to know that we can constantly go back to him and ask for pardon and peace. Okay, so several benefits to the sacrament of confession. Namely, the first thing is it reconciles us to God. It forgives sins. It's a participation of the cross of Jesus. I was going to point over there to the cross, but Jesus has left the building. building. (laughs) He hasn't left the building. Jesus has gone to a more prominent place. He's above the new altar. So stop and see him. Uh, The second thing that uh, confession does is it reconciles us to the church. So when we sin, our sin doesn't just affect our relationship with God. You know, as humanity, you know, know, if I learned this at an early age, when I punched my brother, it didn't just hurt my relationship with my parents. It hurt my relationship with my brother, right? And so when we sin, all sin also weakens the body of Christ, the church. And so the sacrament of confession, it reconciles us With one another. Um, The sacrament of confession also helps us grow in humility. It's really humbling to go and admit that we did something wrong. What's Jesus say? Unless you become like a what? A child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Children teach us humility. And so it's really the childlike faith that comes out in the sacrament of confession. And the fourth thing that it does psychologically. We want to get things off of our chest. Um, I have a, a good priest friend who told me this story. Um, he was on vacation. I think it was in New York City. And um, he was working for, uh, he was a, a diplomat working for the United Nations as a chaplain to them. But he went out to dinner that night. And so he went up to a bar just to have a burger and he's sitting at the bar. And this guy is up there. And he just, this guy just starts telling his life story and how it's a mess and how he was married and cheated on. And then, of course, you know, he could probably tell it. this guy was an Italian Catholic. And he said, you know, are you Catholic? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm Catholic. He's like, well, have you been to the sacrament of confession? Because it sounds like you want to get all this off your chest. And the guy says, oh, no, I don't think I could ever, ever go into the sacrament and tell that to a priest. <laughs> My priest friend said, buddy, you just did. <laughs> Right? There's such a thing as barroom confessions. Like we want to get things off of our chest. And this is why um, Fulton Sheen says, when people stopped going to confession in the 70s, they saw an uptick of people going to counselors. Now, I'm not diminishing anything that counselors can do, because there are the psychologically that, that we work together. Psychology is the study of the soul. But oftentimes people carry around guilt. And we don't need to carry that. We need, we need to allow Jesus to carry it for us. One of my um, mentors when I was in college is by a a guy by the name of Daryl Warday. Um, Daryl met his beautiful bride in college. um, And when I met Daryl, he had um, MS and he had maybe a few months to live and he was in a wheelchair. And um, he came to my fraternity because he was a fraternity brother, and he was. So I, I had to give him a ride home. His wife dropped him off, and so I had a truck, and so I put his wheelchair in my truck, and we're driving home. And he just he just told me he's like Clark. He said, "I don't know what 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 you have going on in your life right now, but I'm going to ask you. When's the last time you went to confession?" I said, well, that's really forward. He's like, "I got three months to live. I don't care. I'm going to be as direct as possible." And so I was honest with him. I said, you know, it's probably been a year. He said, you know what? I grew up in a non-Christian home. I believed in God and I believed in Jesus, but we just never went to church. And I did a lot of stupid and bad things in high school and in college. But then I met Anne, my wife, and I converted and became Catholic. He said, the happiest day in my life wasn't when my children were born. It wasn't when I was married. The happiest day of my life is when I walked out of that confessional the first time when I joined the church. He said, I had a lot of junk in the trunk, right? And I wanted to get rid of it all. And and that freedom, he said, when I walked out of that confession for the first time, I just felt like I could walk on clouds. So get your butt to the confessional, he says. (laughs) I'm like, okay, thanks, Daryl. And Daryl has since gone to the Lord. Okay, let's dive into some scripture. Uh, Old Testament foreshadowings. In the book of Leviticus, in Leviticus 19, it talked about a man who was having not, not very good relationships with someone who wasn't his wife. And so he had to bring a guilt offering of a ram to the priest. And he would bring this ram to the priest, and the priest would offer it up and sacrifice it On behalf of his sins, and the sins which he has committed shall be forgiven them. Okay? This is a foreshadowing. So, who is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins, right? John the Baptist pointed out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's pointing it to Jesus. The priest acts in the person of Christ, in persona Christi, they say in Latin. And so when you come to the Sacrament Confession, I am acting in the person of Christ, and I am absolving you of your sins, just as in the Old Testament, they had to bring a sacrifice to the priest. Okay. In the book of Numbers, the Lord said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, when a man or woman commits any sin, the sins that men commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person is guilty, he shall confess his sin, which he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it, and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. So there are three acts of the penitent, the person who comes in the confession. You confess your sins, you do penance, you amend your life well right here we see this guy has to do penance right he has to pay restitution for something he did wrong if I break and I learned this early age 11 years old I'm running around the house and I got pushed through the window and it's really my fault I broke it now I can go to my mom and say mom I'm sorry I broke the window She said, okay I forgive you, son, but guess what? You're gonna be doing dishes for the next week to pay for that window. <laughs> There's restitution to be made. What was the sin of David? What's that? Yeah. And even before that, David's main sin was sloth. Like he was lazy. It said when the kings were supposed to go out into battle that time of year, here is David taking a siesta. Right? He's got men dying out in the battlefield. David's a great warrior, but he just became lazy. right? And so he's taken a siesta, looks over and sees, oh. of course his house must be a little taller, and he's looking down and he sees Bathsheba. Now, Bathsheba's probably not completely 100% innocent because I've been in the Middle East several times. Women do not bathe in the middle of the day. They bathe at night, for modesty's sakes. So she's bathing, probably trying to get his attention, right? And then he takes Uriah the Hittite's wife, Bathsheba. He has an affair. And of course, who knows about it? His friend Nathan. So Nathan tells him this parable, right? Okay, a man has a hundred ewes, and he decides to take the ewe of a little lamb that, from a poor guy. What should happen to him? David's, that guy deserves death. What was Nathan's response? You're the man. And David was cut to the heart. So then David says, Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So he confesses. Yep, I have sinned against the Lord. And then Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nathan is basically a foreshadowing of the priest. I absolve you of your sins. You're not going to die because of it. But there's still going to be a consequence to your sin. Your son's going to die. Okay.
1: Ooh. Which one? Absalom? No, I was thinking of oh. oh. Your son has to die. Mm. Push.
0: Is yeah. Son that he has that yeah. Okay, so now that we've kind of established some grounds um, for what confession is, where some foreshadowings of it in the Old Testament, mind you, the foreshadowings of the Old Testament are not the sacrament of confession, because um, a definition of a sacrament, remember? an outward sign instituted by Jesus to give grace. And grace is God's life within us. But then why can't we just go straight to God? Why can't I just go and have a conversation with him? Well, particularly because Jesus did not set it up that way. Jesus conquers death and sin on the cross. But do people still die? Yes. Do people still sin? Yes. So he conquers death and sin on the cross. His blood comes forth for our salvation. And then he resurrects to heaven after three days, goes to heaven, and then he comes back to earth. And he comes back and he finds the apostles in the upper room. And what's he do? John chapter 20. It says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. He breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you are forgiven are forgiven them. Whose sins you retain are retained. Okay, so let's kind of unpack this. When was the first time God breathed on man? What's that? yeah, in Genesis, right, So he blew into his nostrils, okay? The breath of God is also called the Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word for breath was ruha, okay? And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus comes back to life, and he breathes new life onto the apostles, okay? Imagine if, I don't know, maybe some of you guys are in the nursing field or medical field or first responders. But imagine if you come across uh, some kid being pulled out of a drowning, he drowned in a pond. What, what What do you have to do as a first responder? Yeah, you have to do CPR on him, right? You have to breathe your life into him. That's what the sacrament of confession is. Sacrament of confession is like, I am spiritually dead right now. And I need someone to do spiritual CPR on me. The Holy Spirit is breathing new life into me. So Jesus breathes on them, gives them the Holy Spirit, and says, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. Okay? And so was he just speaking figuratively? Or did the early church really practice it? Saint Paul in his letter to the second letter to the Corinthians chapter 5 all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation so there's a ministry here now was Paul in the upper room no Paul was not one of the 12 apostles right so this goes to what we call apostolic succession paul is ordained and then he goes and he has the the ministry of reconciliation and he gives it to his disciples timothy and titus barnabas john chapter or first john chapter 1 if we acknowledge our sins he is faithful and he will forgive our sins. Okay, uh, those that are Catholic and go to the sacrament Confession, raise your hand if sometimes you think it's kind of hard to go to confession. Feel feel like it's a little intimidating to tell someone that you did something wrong? Okay, well, you have to thank the Irish, though, because it could have been a lot more difficult. It wasn't until the 5th, 6th century people would actually confess their sins together. No. We would be in a room like this and be like, okay, we're going to go around. Chad, you're going first, right? <laughs> and we were all confessing our sins and then the priest would be there and he would absolve all their sins at once. It was called a communal penance service. What's that? Doesn't
1: that still happen in some countries? I think it's kind of cool. I mean, when, when there's so few
0: priests. Yeah, that's a great question. You, you can do it. Um, but here's the thing, you would all also be under the seal of confession. So you couldn't leave the room and go tell someone else what you heard. You couldn't gossip about him. Otherwise you'd be kicked out of the church. So it was something so important, but now with practically speaking, like, okay, let's say, John, uh, I confess to, um, you know, eating Chad's last donut, right? <laughs> And that could cause some problems in the the community, right? It it, it might actually be very helpful because people are open and honest about everything and we learn how to forgive each other. But, you know, you're taking this guy's wife or something and you confess it and then you can see how some problems could... So the Irish are like practical. They're like, okay, let's just make the priest work extra hard and more and we'll put him in this little box and people can go to him privately, right? So the Irish uh, invented individual confession. Now, you still could go to a general confession, say a plane is going down and you got a priest on board. One time I walked onto a a plane and this woman, she's like, she grabs my hand, she's like, oh, good, we're going to be safe. And I'm like, lady, I don't know how to fly a plane and I'm not a good luck charm. But what she meant was if the plane does go down, I can give everyone on that plane general absolution to forgive them of their sins but let's say they land on the Hudson and they are saved, right?
1: Solely. Captain
0: Foley's Like, there. Yeah, Cap- Captain Soli's flying. Then they get off the plane. They would have to confess those sins that they'd, they'd still need to go to the sacrament of confession. Okay, I'm getting kind of tangent here. All right, and then James, the Apostle James, in his letter says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I know two weeks ago, or was it three weeks ago, we talked about the difference between venial sin and mortal sin. St. John, in his epistle says, "All wrongdoing is sin, but not all sin is deadly. You should pray for that person if it is not deadly sin. You can pray for that person and ask God for forgiveness if you see someone, you know, cut you off in traffic. You can say, I pray for him and God will forgive them. But if it is deadly sin, like the person actually is ramming another car, and they're trying to kill someone, intention is killing someone, that's maybe a mortal sin. You now you can't really pray for them. They actually have to go to the sacrament of confession to be forgiven, okay? Okay. Um, so how do we go to confession? Uh, the first thing that we need to do is, as the Greek philosopher says, know thyself, right? We have to have a knowledge and awareness of where we are at in our life and our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And the church gives us several different ways we could examine our conscience. Um, You guys talked about conscience, right? Already in morality, okay? Um, St. John Henry Newman says the conscience is the aboriginal Christ. It's the, the voice the voice of Christ that tells us when we did something wrong, we kind of instinctively know. Um, but our conscience has to be continually, it's, it's like a muscle, it's a virtue. You have to be constantly educating yourself because maybe you're not aware that you are doing something wrong that's hurting someone or hurting your relationship with God. And so that's why the church gives us the things like the Ten Commandments. Um, it's probably a standard that a lot of people examine their conscience. They go through the Ten Commandments and see, okay, have I done that? Sometimes people write it down, they check a box. Um, another way to examine a conscience are based on the virtues, um, understanding the different virtues. This, this might be a little bit more difficult than just say 10 commandments, what I've done and what I have failed to do. Uh, we can also examine our conscience based on love. And we know that there are four different types of love. How have I failed to love? I always do my examination of on the seven deadly sins. It's just easier for me. Seven's less than ten. <laughs> but um, places G, pride. How have I been prideful since my last confession? How have I struggled with lust, anger, coveting or greed, envy, most common sin. Envy is gossiping. Um, how have I been lazy? Sloth or gluttony? What was Sloth. 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 Okay. Some people say sloth. Um, yeah. Gluttony. A tough one on Tuesday, right? <laughs> fat Tuesday. It's Fat Tuesday. I got one day to get fat for the next 40 days. But gluttony, gluttony isn't just overeating. It could also be wasteful of food. It could be picky of food. Um, it could be drunkenness, illicit drugs, um, and so forth. Okay, so good ways to examine our conscience. Um, I always encourage people to, to read the story of Luke 15. Read the story of the prodigal son. Okay. Examine a conscience by periods of life. So if you're going to make your first confession and say, you're 43 like me, I would, I would look at, okay, what was my, what was my relationship with God and others when I was younger, maybe in high school, college, post-college, etc. And that way you kind of like, you don't have to think of every single sin, uh, but especially the mortal sins, the big sins, be like, oh yeah, I did that. And write your sins down. Bishop Conley, maybe you've heard me tell this story. Um, Bishop Conley's first confession. Did I tell that to you? Maybe that was. um, So, Bishop Conley was a convert. He converted when he was 20 years old at the University of Kansas. He was a literature major and just read a lot of great um, works, and that led him into the Catholic faith. And he went through the same kind of class that you guys are going through, and he got done, and he's getting ready to go to his first confession before the Easter Vigil. And he's all nervous, so he writes everything down really small. Um, he always writes on little, even when he preaches, he's got like little index cards, and he writes really small. And so he brings it in there, and he says, he's kind of shaking. He kneels down, and says, it's, he starts, you know, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. And then the father, an old Irishman, yes, my son, the Lord is here with you. Please tell me your sins. He said, oh, Father, I can't read. And, uh, and the father's, the, the Irish priest is like, Oh, son, illiteracy is not the sin. And he's like, No, the light's not on it. And then the, the priest's like, Oh, I forgot to turn on the light. <laughs> right? Um, we should also think of sins that we've done. Oftentimes it's easy to remember, Oh, yeah, I robbed a bank. Or, um, Oh, yeah, I punched my brother. Um, you know, oftentimes we think of things that we do. But we should also think of things that we failed to do, sins of omission. Like, oh yeah, I was supposed to go to church on Sunday. I didn't do that. Um, I was supposed to you know, give alms during Lent. I didn't do that. And so sins of omission are things that we failed to do. And then ultimately it takes trust. It takes trust in God, which when we trust someone, we can be humbled before them. And then we could have courage. Okay, so I'm going to walk through what the sacrament of reconciliation um, looks like. So there are really um, six steps. The average confession is probably, depending on how long it's been for the penitent and how much they want to talk. But I'd say the average confession, it takes really only about five to six minutes. Um, It's not that long. Um, So there's first a reception. And then the priest could read a little reading from Scripture. Um, It's optional. The confession of a sin, the act of contrition, absolution, and the proclamation of praise. So we're going to go through uh, these right here. Okay, so um, you as the penitent can either say, and we'll have these sheets for you as well, uh, bless me, Father, or forgive me, Father. I have sinned. It has been one month, or this is my first confession. It's been one week since my last confession. Um, you know, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's funny, like you know, penitent. Uh, forgive me, Father. It's been two hours since my last confession. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you don't need to come. Here. Oh, I forgot to tell. I forgot to tell you something. I'm like, it's not a moral sin. Come next week, son. <laughs> but, um, so you say, since your last confession, and then you list the type of sins and the time or frequency. Um, and then at the end, you say, for these and all the sins that I may have forgotten. Okay, You legitimately forget. Um, sometimes we could play tricks on ourselves. Well, I don't want to really bring up that one. So you know it's a sin, but you don't say it. Okay, That would be uh, an imperfect confession. So then, the priest may give some advice, encouragement, or even ask for clarification. Um, you know, I always ask, "What's your state of life?" You know, are you single, married, divorced, widowed? Because the state of life is important. Because if someone says, "You know, um, uh, I I have um, I have been cheating on um, my significant other," was your significant other your wife, or is it? A girlfriend or a fiance, right so um, it there's higher stakes depending on like what your state of life are and then the priest says for your penance you I want you to pray the gospel for this weekend or I want you to offer up one our Father one Hail Mary if it's a penance that they say like you know, maybe the priest says hey for your penance can you pray the um, Anima Christi prayer and like well, what's that you could always ask what it is and if, and if you don't know it the, the priest can give you a different penance oftentimes the penance is was supposed to be given as a medicinal purpose for what you did wrong for instance like if someone says um you know i took something from my co-worker okay well for your penance i want you to do an act of charity for your co-worker um bring them some bagels and joe or something right um so Okay, then the, uh, the act of contrition. Um, the penitent says this, O oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for offending thee. And I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all because they have offended thee, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to confess my sins, To do penance and to amend my life. Um, And this prayer will actually be in the confessional. um, So you don't have to have it memorized. Um, But a person could say, hey, Father, um, I don't know the act of contrition. I could say, well, just pray from your heart. It doesn't have to be so formulaic that you can just say something like, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay, And then this is the the words that the priest says. This is, um, the priest does have to say uh, these words. um, And sometimes the priest can say them under his breath as well. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself and poured out the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon. And peace, and I absolve you from your sins, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." Okay, so let's kind of unpack this. So we see how the words of absolution are very Trinitarian. The Father, he's first addressed in the Father. "Through the Son, death of Jesus has reconciled the world to himself. And then poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. So the first part of the prayer of absolution is Trinitarian. It's looking objectively at what God has done. Then, what God has done, then he gives it to the church. May God grant you pardon and peace. So then the church, and then to the priest himself. Because I am a minister in the church. And I absolve you. From your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When you are baptized, what were you baptized into, or who were you baptized into? I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Isn't this interesting? Like, You know, some people, I have my best friend, he's like, I don't know if I could ever go, I don't need to go to the sacrament of confession, because... I just go straight to God. And I ask him, did you baptize yourself? No, I was a baby. I'm like, well, if you were an adult, can you baptize yourself in your faith tradition? No, you actually have to be brought to someone else. Someone else is acting in the person of Christ in their church in that way. Because we do say that there are two sacraments outside of the church, baptism and marriage. And so someone else has to bring you and someone else has to baptize you. And so that's the same in the Catholic Church, that the priests, I absolve you from your sins in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not Father Clark that's doing it, or Father Worth. It's the, the priest acting the person of Christ. At Mass, when the priest says, this is my body, I'm not saying this is Father Clark's body, it's the body of Christ. I'm acting in the person. And then afterwards, the priest says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and as mercy endures forever. Quoting the Psalms, the Lord has freed you from your sins, go in peace. Thanks be to God. Okay, so what what do you think a bad confession would be? You got all the notes there for you? Okay, same mortal sin. Every week. So, this person has kind of a a chronic problem and they probably need to go see a counselor or something. Like, okay, Father, I snorted a line of cocaine last night and I'm probably going to go do it again, right? And so I can still forgive them of their sins, but unless they want to change their life, the grace of the sacrament isn't going to take effect, okay? Um Complainers, those who like to come to the sacrament confession and tell other people's sins. Um, this is uh, more common of uh, certain age demographics, uh, talking about their spouse, <laughs> right? My spouse does it, and I'm like, okay, that's great. You're, I can't absolve your spouse of their sins. They can come here, but what have you done, <laughs> right? So we can't go in and talk about other, and it's always, it's never good to actually bring up another person's name in the sacrament confession, like, Oh, yeah, um, I'll go to Father Worth tomorrow morning for the sacrament confession and say, yeah, last night, Blake and I got blitzed um, after hours, right? I should never use Blake's name because then that, you know, implements him. Um, Scrupulous. Um, When a person fails to see the mercy of Christ, um, scrupulosity, this term, is like when people really just keep on focusing on themselves and like every little thing that they do wrong, they think is something major and catastrophe, right? Oh, I, I picked my nose. Well, picking your nose isn't a sin, you know? It could be bad hygiene. If you, I suppose if you wiped your booger on someone else, that would be a sin. But picking your nose is not a sin, <laughs> right? So don't confess things that aren't sin, and don't always look too much at yourself. I mean, we have to examine our conscience, but we have to look to see the mercy of God what he's doing in our life Um, another bad confession are people who feel forced you know i'm i'm here father because mom and dad made me or father i'm in the sacrament confession because my wife's behind me and you're going to hear all about it and so i just came here to appease her right um so forced confessions are never good it shows a lack of love of god um vague Confessions, not telling the type of sin and the frequency. Okay. Or storytellers, too much detail. I think these are probably some of the more common ones down here. So, Father, uh, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. I really struggled with anger. Um, And that's about it. Okay, well, anger, anger is a capital sin. So, did you kill someone or did you, you know, um, talk back to your coworker? Um, you worker know, You can see there's a difference of sin. So, you have to be more specific and not so vague, okay? Or, you know, Father, I have, um, I, I, robbed, I robbed someone. Well, did you rob 30 banks or did you take someone's Coke that was in the fridge? Right, so there has to be a little bit more specific um, to the to the sin, the the frequency and the type that it actually was. But it can't go on to tell about storytellers, right? Um, hey, Father, uh, yeah, uh, last week, you know, Billy Bob and I, we were up in uh, Michigan and we decided to go out on the lake and then we were cutting down this tree and then we decided some fishing and then Billy Bob, you know, and, and then you just like just tell like a, just get to the point, <laughs> right? So. Um, so, uh, the, the, sometimes you can t- tell a story, put a little context to it. Um, you know, I was on vacation. Okay, that's enough context I need to know, right? You don't need to tell me everything about Billy Bob. Um, good confessions. What's an example of good confession? Um, those who make a habit of it. How How frequently should you go to the dentist? Yeah, twice a year, most. I mean, so it's always good to say, well, if we clean our teeth at least twice a year, maybe we should at least go to confession and clean our souls twice a year. But it's it's good to get kind of in a routine. I know a lot of people go to confession like the first Friday or first Saturday of the month. Um, I go to confession every other week, so every other Tuesday, I go to the sacrament of confession. I have to go more frequent because I'm a big sinner. Um, <laughs> Another good example of a confession, we call these the lost sons, from Luke chapter 15, the prodigal sons. Oftentimes people, understanding the ramifications of their sins, but even more importantly, um, their lack of love of uh, God or of a spouse, if there was something that happened in their marriage, um, and they come to the sacrament confession, Um, They have tears of repentance. Remember the the woman who came to wash Jesus' feet? Her tears of repentance. and Then she dried them with her hair. Good confession. Um, A devotional. Um, Some people go to confession to seek an indulgence. We don't have time to really get into what an indulgence is. Um, Today we will, um, later on in the way, But sometimes people go to the sacrament confession they may not need to because there's no mortal sin but they're just doing it for maybe they're on a pilgrimage um, or on a retreat and they want to get an indulgence um spiritual sometimes um and i have several um um parishioners that come to the sacrament confession more for a spiritual direction um now mind you in order to forgive them it's not just we're just talking there at least has to need to be one sin. So there has to be one sin that I have to forgive. Um, but usually that comes up, but it's more like for a spiritual direction. And oftentimes as a priest, I can give better advice in five minutes in the sacrament of confession than if someone wants to come to my office and talk for a whole hour. And and the reason why I say that is because I can give better advice in five minutes in the sacrament of confession than I could in a whole hour. And The reason I say that is because it is really the power of the Holy Spirit. That there is something that happens in there that I can't take credit for. It's not just my own knowledge coming and trying to give advice or counseling or pastoral counseling. There's something, there's such a powerful grace that happens. Um, um, Another good confession um, are deathbed confessions. And... I've had several of these and they are so, um, moving. like when a person knows that they are soon going to see God face to face, they want to get right with him. Right. And it's so, so profoundly beautiful. Um, uh, general confession, a general confession are going to be for those people who are making their first confession and joining the church. Um, a general confession oftentimes happens, maybe before a person gets married, it's always a good advice, you review your whole life, or before you become a priest, as you kind of review your whole life, even though you may have confessed those sins in the past, you see a pattern of behavior, you look through your whole past, put everything into context to know where you're at with the Lord now. And that usually you would want to schedule with a priest, you wouldn't just want to do it um, on a normal Saturday confessions, because general con- Confessions are going to take maybe 10, 12, and you want to talk through things a little bit more. Um, and then there are some that, you know, I can't get into some details, but um, supernatural. Um, some things that happen in the sacrament of confession. Um, I, I once had a, a, a little girl, this is vague enough that I can say it, but um, I I'd never really want to know who the penitent is. Um, sometimes people will come in and they'll, they'll talk to me like, I know them, but I never want to guess a voice. Because like, you know, if because if you guess guess the voice wrong, then the person wrong, like it doesn't really matter who the person is per se. I'm just trying to pierce right into their soul. And so sometimes in the sacrament of confession, um I'll have a person that I know their soul so well um, that I could help them, but I wouldn't know who they were out on the street. I don't even know who this person is. I don't know nothing about them. Um, it'd be like a doctor who isn't the general pr- pr- practice doctor, but he's going into an operation and he knows how to do open heart surgery. But then three months down the, later down the road, he sees someone at high B. He doesn't know that's the person he had operated on, but he saved their life. Um, but there, and so sometimes people want to say like, you know, if, if you do want the priest to know who you are, you can, you could either ask to go face to face. Hey, I want to talk to you face to face father. Or you could just say, "Hey, um, this is Blake, so we can talk." So that way, um, I might be able to help him out more. But um, the only time I actually, the only time I actually ever tempted to know who it is is when I know that there's a great saint on the other side. For instance, like one time at, at a faraway parish, um, this young person, little girl, I was guaranteed that, like by the power of the Holy Spirit, that this person is going to be a saint. I was so moved, and I don't know who it is, but I wanted to see. Like There was something so powerful in that moment. Or um, uh, I had a, a penitent one time who had uh, severe um, uh, mental disorder, and they wanted to go to confession, and they couldn't communicate very well. And so they wanted to write things down, and I couldn't read, couldn't read their writing. Um, and... But they wanted to go face-to-face, and I said, you know, I'll call him Billy. Um, Billy, I, I, can't, I can't read this, and I don't know what you're saying. I said, all I, all I need to know is, are you sorry for your sins? And then he just starts weeping. And I was like, I was so moved. It was just like the power of a good confession. Um, some of you have seen this image in uh, our churches. It's the divine mercy image, and this image is a, is a private devotion. Um, and remember, private devotions you don't have to believe in to be Catholic, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a devotion that I'm particularly strong to um, because I'm a big sinner, right? And the divine mercy meant a lot for me. Our Lord revealed to St. Faustina, he said this, Daughter, when you go to confession, to this fountain of my mercy, The blood and water which comes forth from my heart always flows down upon your soul. Every time you go to confession, immerse yourself entirely in my mercy. I'm waiting for you in the confessional. Here, the misery of your soul meets the mercy of God. The misery of our soul meets the God of mercy. I know after my friend Daryl asked me how long it had been since I went to confession. And I went to confession for that first time down at the Newman Center on campus. Mind you, there's thousands of students. But I met this priest maybe once, like two years before that. I didn't want him to know who I was, so I kind of disguised my voice, you know. Um, But I just remember that the first thing when I walked out of that confessional, I saw this divine mercy image. I'm like, wow, I have been created anew again. My baptism, the garment that was given to me at baptism has been sullied by my sins. But the sacrament of confession is like God's dry cleaner. (laughs) I just want to wash that garment for you, Clark. I'm going to wash this garment in my blood. And that priest didn't care. You know, some of you guys may know Father Mike Schmitz, um, uh, great speaker, um, a friend of mine. Uh, he uses an analogy. You know, as priests, we're like God's garbage t- garbage men. The garbage man doesn't go talk to the other garbage man, open it up, take a whiff. Hey, look what I got over here, right? He's a, he, the garbage man just goes and picks it up and throws it in the garbage can, or in the dumpster, right? The garbage man wants to just take it out, and that's what we, as as priests. We don't really care what you say. There's nothing that you could say that's going to shock Father Worth or myself. We've heard it all, believe me. Um, anyone have any questions on the sacrament? yeah great question we will actually have assigned um uh, uh spots for you guys um what typically what we do and blake can correct me we'll do a, a walk through um the easter vigil and then after that we will have um, a, a confession times just for you guys um and it could be with father worth myself father raman nitty um last year we had a guy join the church he was really close to uh, a different priest he wanted to possibly go to I said yeah by all means um, you can but we'll, we'll have a scheduled time and it'll be uh, well, however long it takes you we'll yeah. be there yeah so uh, confess sins do penance and amen amend amend our life change so penance um, penance is a restoration um, for what we've done and Penance used to be, there used to be what's called uh, the Book of Penance. So in the Middle Ages, say, um, if if you, uh, say, example, you killed someone, right? You would go for like four or five years into a monastery and do penance in a monastery. Um, if you robbed from someone, you would be, you'd put on sackcloth and ashes and you would st- sit outside of the church and as people walked by you would ask them to pray for you as they were going into church because you did something um, a notoriously wrong that you were convicted of and so before we had our judicial system where they put people into jail the church is like okay you did this and you know the priest had a book and they're okay well for your penance um, okay well you 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 got drunk once so I want you for the next month not to eat meat so there was a correlation there between the sin and the penance as a f- type of kind of restitution. The church now looks at that, though, as um, it, it became somewhat legalistic. And so they're like, well, um, penance is, uh, is as what St. Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Penance should be some type of um, offering in unison with the redemption of Jesus. Okay. to restore you um, in, to the church. You know. So oftentimes a penance might be like, um, okay, for your penance, say three our fathers or one our father, um, or for your penance, I want you to meditate on the gospel or the Psalms for this weekend, because maybe there's something in those readings that kind of help in our correlation to your um, sins. Anything else you want to add?
2: Yeah. Uh, going back to examining the different ways of examining your conscience and so forth. With, we didn't mention this, I guess, but the words of absolution for the priest side had changed. We had to start using a slightly new formula last, actually, beginning of what, last year, right? But uh, one of the phrases that changed was. God the Father of mercies, death and resurrection of the Son. reconciled the world to himself and poured out the Holy Spirit. So poured out the Holy Spirit is a new uh, phrase. Uh, It was expressed similarly, but they use that phrase now. So looking at the seven deadly sins, and if people are confessing their sins, they're always going to fall under them, being the capital head of them. I like to focus on the seven lively virtues. So in that, maybe I'll tell penance penitent okay, for your penance, I just want you to simply recite the phrase, come Holy Spirit. But in saying that prayer, if they confess, you know, I was a drunkard and I was lazy. Okay. Well, maybe in praying, come Holy Spirit, then you're focusing on those lively virtues that are combating those deadly sins. So then they're able to put it to practice that penance, it's a medicinal, spiritual, Remedy for that factor, being infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to be a new creation, to have that grace to fight against if it was drunkenness and laziness. Okay, now, so I think just being able to apply that, or like a doctor, if you tear your ACL, you have to have surgery. They give you certain medicine, like it's specifically for that ailment that is uh, there. But focusing less on ourselves and more so on the power of the Holy Spirit, with the sake uh, of our penance. It just helps us to be more humble. It helps us to rely less on our own strengths and rather the strength of God when we're doing our penance. So never by ourselves. Never meant for isolation, but communion.
1: Good, thank you, Father.
0: I wish we could take a. If. Um, I wish we could take a uh, field trip. Um, anyone know what this painting would be of? Oh, yeah, there it is. The Return of the Prodigal Son. Yeah, by uh, Rembrandt. Um, This painting is actually, uh, so Rembrandt was Dutch and it was stolen by the the Russians or whatever, but it's in St. Petersburg. So I've, I've been there and seen this. And it's the story of the return of the prodigal son. You know, he comes back and here is the father and then the older son looking on in disgust. And the father is embracing him. And that's really what happens in the sacrament of confession. There's an embrace of love. St. Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan, says, Rise and run to the church. He who hears you pondering in the secret places of the mind runs to you. When you are still far away, he sees you and runs to you. He sees in your heart. He runs and he embraces you. His foreknowledge is in the running. His mercy in the embrace and the disposition of a fatherly love. He falls on your neck to raise one prostrate and burden with sins and bring back one turned aside to the earthly toward heaven. Christ falls on your neck to free your neck from the yoke of slavery and hands his sweet yoke upon your shoulders. St. Ambrose. One of my favorites. Obviously, Ambrose was so instrumental of bringing one of the most notorious sinners to reconcile to God. You know who that would be? St. Augustine. Okay? St. Augustine, you read his confessions, it might make you blush. <laughs> but St. Augustine was brought into the church by St. Ambrose. Obviously, St. Ambrose understood God's mercy if he could write something like this.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Ephesians chapter 2. St. Paul writes, God who is rich in mercy, because of the great love he has for us, even when we were dead in our sins, brought us to life with Christ. How true is that? I want to tell you, leave you with a story of um, before I went to the seminary, I did some uh, missionary work in uh, South America and Peru up in the Colca Canyon. So southern Peru, it's actually deeper than the Grand Canyon, a of fact. Um, people up there were great. Well, I heard this story about um, Maria and Anna. Maria was a single mom. And uh, at point of contact, uh, the city of lari is about by bus ride is about eight hours. Well, it's four hours to Arequipa. It's probably about 12 hours by bus to the big city of Lima. Lima is the capital city. And you got to go all the way up to the Colca Canyon, clear across the country. And the Colca Canyon is very agricultural. It's very poor, okay? There's a difference between like rural poverty and urban poverty. Everyone's up there poor, but they have everything that they need and they all are filled with joy. Whereas you go to the cities, you know, there's a lot of poverty along wealth. And that disparity, it's really depressing. But Anna, anyways, she um, was the daughter to Maria. She was about 14 years old. She didn't want to go to school anymore. Um, and Maria um, told her, no, you need to finish school. And then we'll try to get you into this community college um, down in Etequipa. And then maybe get you into... University in, in Lima. But Anna didn't want that. She, she wanted to go to the big city and make it big. And so, what did she do? She snuck out of her house one night, took her mom's money, got on a bus, and drives all the way to Lima. And when she's there, um, she tries finding work. Whereas, as a 14 year old girl, who's going to hire her, right? She looks like she's a Quechua person, not a a person from Lima. She's got a perfectly round face, very Incan looking. And so she can't find any work. And so she decides she's going to prostitute herself out. She gets involved in drugs and in a brothel. And she lives a life of, of, of misery. Maria, she wakes up that next morning, realizing that Anna's gone looks around the little village of Lottery, which is only about 700 people, goes to the next bigger city, looks around, can't find her. She's out of money. She sells everything that she has in order to buy a bus ticket. She gets a bus ticket, drives to Lima. She realizes she still had about five, equivalent to $5 on her. She goes to the local Walgreens. can't remember what they call it. She has a picture of herself taken. And Maria, knowing her daughter, goes to all the different seedy parts of Lima. She goes to the back alleys, to the brothels, to the bars. And she puts a picture of her in all these different places. She runs out of money. She takes a bus back up to the Colca Canyon, to the little village of Lari. After about three months goes by, Anna, after a hard night of drugs and nefarious things, comes downstairs. She sees something familiar to her. It's her mother's face. She just breaks down crying. She goes over to that picture. She picks it up, turns it on the back. Her mom wrote a little note. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've become, please come home. She was cut to the heart and she came home. See, that's the story for us. Jesus is God's picture painted on the cross for you and I. And he says that too for any one of us who may have a little fear of going to the sacrament of confession. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've become. Just come home. The Lord be with you. Through the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, may Almighty God bless you and protect you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you all for coming tonight. The Lord be with you. Through the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, may Almighty God bless you and protect you in the name of the Father, and of the Son,
2: and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thank you all for coming tonight.
2: Thank you for listening to this great content from St. Peter Catholic Church. For more content, for other talks, for more information, please visit St. Peter Catholic Church Lincoln, Nebraska, on Apple iTunes or on Podbean, and our parish website, com. God bless you.